We're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. Sports Crunch with DCROM. I'm your host, David Cromelo. Happy Easter Passover weekend as well. And this also means the 2022 NFL Draft is less than two weeks away. And it is going to be a super busy and fun next two weeks for us here at Sports Crunch. As I mentioned on the previous episode, we've got the final four stops on our annual Dash to the Draft Divisional Tour still to go. We've got one of the best powerhouse women in all of football, Carmen Vitale of the Draft Network, coming on to share some late pre-draft buzz with us and do one last mock draft as well. And we've got Cody White here of the Chicago Bears coming on in addition. But that's not all. I am pleased to announce that not only will we once again be hosting a live stream on nights one and two of the draft, we will also be raising funds to help the strong, brave people of Ukraine as a central part of that live stream. Stay tuned for more details early next week. Now... Let's get the show on the road with the fifth stop of the aforementioned Dash to the Draft Divisional Tour, the AFC East. An honorary friend of the pod, Mark Schofield of the USA Today Touchdown Wire, is here to join us to give us his two cents on what the Jets, Dolphins, Patriots, and Bills should do when they're on the clock. Welcome back to the program, Mark. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, David. Always great to be here. Great to be back. Excited about what you're going to be doing for the draft and the coverage you've got coming up. Carmen, she's a fantastic guest. Cody Whitehair, that's fantastic as well. And I'm excited to talk AFC East with you tonight. I'm excited as well. And without further ado, let's talk about the New York Jets, who have four picks in the top 40 of this draft and another excellent opportunity for Joe Douglas and Robert Sala to add to that young talent on that team. And this spring, the Jets heavily pursued Chandler Jones at free agency and were one of the two finalists to acquire Tyree Kill via trade. And thus, many believe the Jets will be targeting an edge pass rusher and a wide receiver with their two top 10 picks. However, there is also a lot of buzz that the Jets could be eyeing Sauce Gardner, arguably the best corner in this class with the fourth overall pick. That said, as valuable as that cornerback position is, only four corners have been top five picks over the past 11 drafts. Why would Sauce Gardner be a great pick for the Jets at that spot? I'm one of the people, David, that has made that connection dating back to pretty much when we all started doing mock drafts this winter. When you saw Sauce Gardner sort of rise up the cornerback board to be, I don't know if he's exactly a consensus CB1, but it seems like he's close to that. And I think the reason why I did and why others have made that connection is you look at Robert Sala, the defenses he coached, particularly the success he had with San Francisco. One of the parts of that defense was Robert Richard Sherman a long, talented, physical corner who, while Richard Sherman was at the tail end of his career during his time in San Francisco, there are a lot of parallels between how Richard Sherman played the position, particularly at the peak of his time during his days with the Legion of Boom, and what Sauce Gardner offers at the position, the long press coverage corner, certainly a cover one type guy that can play up in receiver's face and man press coverage, but he can also play sort of that cover three coverage where we know what you know the Seattle did for those years and what we see some t- teams under Salah do which is that press cover three type look so Gardner gives you that and it gives you that out of the box on day one he's my favorite corner in this class I mean I think it's a very good cornerback group whether it's Gardner whether it's Stanley whether it's Booth whether it's McDuffie you know whether it's McCreary Elon like there are some very good corners in this group but I think how Salah constructs his defense and what Gardner offers makes him an an option for them at four do they eventually do it i'm kind of leaning towards at this point with what they've done this offseason they probably go edge and they go wide receiver at 10 
But if he's the pick at four, it wouldn't surprise me at all. It wouldn't surprise me at all either. He is the textbook Robert Sala cornerback, as you mentioned, and he compares very favorably to Richard Sherman. That was Lance Zierlein's pro comp for Sauce Gardner. And moving on to the Miami Dolphins, who after trading for Tyree Kill, they do not pick until 102 overall. But there is a reasonable argument to be made that they've quietly built a very strong roster on both sides of the ball. On defense, they have an underrated front with Emmanuel Ogba, Jalen Phillips, and Christian Wilkins, and then stacked Stack secondary with Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, and Javon Holland, who had a very underrated rookie year. And on offense, they significantly upgraded the offensive line by signing Teron Armstead and acquiring Tyree Kill gives them one of the scariest groups of offensive weapons in the entire league with Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, oh my God, that speed for days, Mike Gusecki, Chase Edmonds, and Raheem Mostert. I just can't find a glaring call on this Dolphins team outside of the mystery that is Tua Tungavoiloa. Can you? It's hard to, David, and certainly the, the question about Tua and whether he takes the step forward that the Dolphins will need him to to make these moves pay off. That's the biggest question facing the Miami Dolphins right now. And they've certainly gone about trying to get him the help that you want to get to put around a young quarterback. This is very much, you know, again, returning to Seattle. This is that Seahawks model. If you've got the young rookie quarterback on that cost control deal, you load up around him. You try to get him to where he needs to be. So the point when you have to make the decision about that second contract, he's shown you that he can play at a high level because of the talent you've put around him. So really Tua is the huge question mark. Now, are there positions they can add with those picks that they have on day three? Yeah. I mean, they might want to add on the interior offensive line. I know they've made additions, Connor Williams, for example, but they might want to add some depth on the interior offensive line. You know, you might want to look at their linebacker group of Landon Roberts, Jerome Baker, you know, Andrew Van Ginkle, like that's a nice starter trio in your sort of three linebacker base package, but some depth there as well. Damone Clark from LSU, for example, might be a nice fit for them in that sort of day three range. But really, David, they've done a lot this offseason. Like you said, they've put themselves in a position now where the big question mark is what it is. It's the quarterback and can Tua take that step forward, but they've done everything else you would expect to see a team trying to build around a young quarterback do. I've been very impressed with their moves to date. Now it's really up to Tua himself and if he can get to where he needs to be for this team to really sort of make some noise in the AFC East. Definitely. And not only that, Say Tua, unfortunately, does not take that next step forward. The Dolphins are armed with two first-round picks in next year's draft, and they have ammunition to move up the board for one of the quarterbacks next year, should uh, that be required. Yeah, I mean, that that's something we're seeing some teams do in this draft cycle, whether it's the Miami Dolphins with those two picks. You certainly, you look at what the Philadelphia Eagles did with that trade with the New Orleans Saints. Now they've also got two first-round picks where if Jalen Hurts doesn't take that step forward, then perhaps they've got the ammunition to go get up. And that's why I think we're hearing in recent days that Carolina is probably going to trade out of six, you know, because they have that big gap from six to 137. But if for some reason they don't find somebody that's willing to come up, I'm starting to wonder, and I know others are too, if five is the spot to get to, if you want to make sure you get your quarterback and you've got the Giants sitting there at five and seven, do the Giants slide back? pick up an extra first round in next year's draft as well and put themselves in a similar position where they've got the two first round picks if Daniel Jones doesn't take that step forward. And so you're seeing teams like Miami and, you know, like the Philadelphia Eagles and potentially the Giants want to add ammunition for next year's quarterback class. Yes. And uh, I will add one more thing to that. If I were a betting man, I would bet that the Giants do exactly that or come very close to doing exactly that. Because keep in mind, Joe Shane and Brian Dable were in Buffalo 
for, for Josh Allen when they drafted Josh Allen and they spent the 2017 draft accumulating all those picks to go up and get him. I think they're going to do a similar thing here. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, could, could the Giants stay at five and seven and make picks? Absolutely. They could look, they could address offensive line. We all know they need a right tackle. There are a lot of people saying, you know, Evan Neal, if he's there, will make a lot of sense with him because he spent some time at right tackle. He could play there. A lot of people have talked about Sauce Gardner as an option for them at five. A lot of people have talked about pass rush as well. I mean, there are three positions that they could certainly address with those two picks, but we all know quarterback is the move, one that moves markets. The quarterback position is the one you have to figure out. Is Daniel Jones the answer? Maybe, maybe not. But as we start seeing teams accumulate that second round, that second first round pick for next year's draft, as we start to wonder, okay, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Phil Jakovic, Will Levis, it might be a better quarterback class. We don't know, but it might be, you might need that second first round pick. And so if the Giants can slide back, you know, whether it's sliding back to, you know, 20 or even a team that wants to come up or has come up a little bit already, maybe the Saints want to come up. They've got the two first round picks in this year's draft. Maybe they go tackle and receiver. Maybe they want a quarterback. If Joe Shane can pick up that extra second round, that extra first round pick for next year's draft, that would give them that hedge for Daniel Jones. If Jones himself doesn't take the step forward that he needs to. You said it. And another potential trade partner for the Giants, I don't think we should necessarily sleep on the Chargers. The Chargers in that stacked, star-studded AFC West, at least in my view, they are the safest bet in that division as of right now. But they still need a right tackle, and the Giants could auction off that pick to the Chargers for 17 for the Chargers to go up and get an Evan Neal or an Ike Aquanu or a Charles Cross to line up opposite Rashawn Slater. I think that is a possibility we really have to keep in mind. Yeah, I mean, that's a fascinating thing to think about because a lot of people, when they work through mock drafts, you get the 17 and it's like, all right, give me a tackle that's still available, right? Whether it's Trevor Pennon, whether it's, you know, you know, Raymond from Central Michigan, whoever the right tackle is or a tackle that's still available, you're going to slot them into 17 because you've got to protect Justin Herbert. Maybe Charles Claus slides. Like, if they could go up, though, that's something that's fascinating to think about because a lot of people are thinking, oh, it'll be a, a QB needy team that comes up. Might not be. If you're a team that needs that right tackle, Giants are on the clock at five. Maybe the Giants pick them. Maybe they're willing to move. And they might be willing to move if you give them a ton of draft capital to do so. And so that's certainly an interesting sort of trade thing to think about, David. The Chargers being the team to come up, not for a quarterback, obviously, but for a tackle. Yes. And now back to the AFC East, which is the theme of this episode and to your New England Patriots. And when I look at the Patriots, it could be argued that corner and edge are their biggest areas of need. Obviously, at corner by uh, letting J.C. Jackson walk in free agency. Yeah, you got uh, Malcolm Butler back, but uh, that's still not enough. And edge, you lack uh, a proven body opposite of, of Matt Judon. But there's also a decent chance the cupboard, in terms of value at both of those positions, could be totally bare when the Patriots are on the clock at 21 overall. And should that be the case, Two other directions they could go are at guard after the departures of Ted Karras and Shaq Mason or off-ball linebacker. If both Devin Lloyd and Zion Johnson are available for the Patriots, who would you take and why? I'd imagine the pick would be Lloyd. And people have been talking about addressing the second level of this defense for a while now, and they've certainly made some additions. Look, you look at their depth chart right now. They have they swung the trade for Mac Wilson, so they had added an off-ball linebacker there, Chase Winovich, more of a on-the-ball edge type of player. They've got Raquan McMillan, who was injured last year. You know, Jahali Tavai. They've got options. Cameron McGrone, who basically took a redshirt situation last year 
obviously another off-ball linebacker they drafted in the fifth round of last year's draft. Ronnie Perkins as well. They've got some depth players there, but I do think they need that, you know, athletic type player on the second level. Now, you might think that's N'Kobe Dean. I think Dean's a bit undersized for what they typically want from their linebackers. Dean more of a safety slash linebacker. Lloyd is more of a pass rushing edge slash linebacker. You see a lot of him lined up on sub packages or in third down situations in a two or even a three point stance on the edge, winning off the edge with his incredible length. I mean, that's one of the things that, you know, as you know, David watching him on film that just jumps out at you, the length and how he uses that off the edge as a pass rusher constricting throwing lanes working up seams he's athletic enough to carry three number three receivers on verticals on benders he had a great play against BYU where he used that lane to read out off of a run action look to get up the seam and to make a deflection on what should have been an easy completion for that quarterback I think if Lloyd stared at them in the face even if Johnson's on the board they'll go with the off-ball linebacker of course with Bill Belichick you always have to think about a potential trade as you get to sort of this range in the draft, you start thinking if there's a quarterback that's slide and if a team like Detroit wants to come up from 32 or another team wants to get back into the first round to grab that quarterback at a fifth year option, Bill Belichick has always been willing to move out of the first round. It wouldn't surprise me if he does it again. I mean, I'm not ready to go lock in like I have in years past and say, you know, he's going to trade out of the first round. People get ready for it. I'm not there yet because I think they might have some enticing options like Lloyd at 21. But given what Bill Belichick has done in the past, a trade out of 21 would not surprise me. Oh, absolutely. And just two years ago, they made a similar move back from 23 with the Chargers for the Chargers to come up and get uh, Kenneth Murray. And given the nature of this draft, when you listen to the GMs all around the league, they say the meat of this draft is in the middle rounds. And the Patriots could be eyeing more middle round picks in this year's draft because they might want to go after where this draft is at its strongest. Yeah, and that's something we're hearing more and more, David, right? It seems like every year people say, yeah, you know, there's some talent at the top, but, you know, 60 to 90 or, you know, 50 to 100, that's really where the meat of this draft class is. And, you know, right now they have picks of 54 and 85. You know, that's two picks in sort of that area. I'm sure they'd love to add one or two more. You know, they've got Bill Belichick right now has two fifth-round picks. He notoriously hates fifth-round picks. He wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him package a fifth round pick as an additional way to get up to throw that in at, uh, at some point if he can add some extra draft capital in that sort of meet to the draft range. But you're right, that does seem to be the sweet spot of this draft, particularly at positions like corner where, you know, yeah, we've got the top guys, but you might get some guys and that's like 70, 80, 90 range. You know, whether it's a guy like, uh, uh, you know, for example, Tariq Woolen, for example, or Alante Taylor or Cam Taylor Britt, yeah. you know, guys that sort of might be in that range of the draft where, yeah, you know, they're not surefire round one type players, but Bill Belichick and this Patriots organization has typically done a pretty good job at identifying later round cornerback talent, obviously a name that they added back, Malcolm Butler, an undrafted free agent out of West Alabama. I mean, they've had the ability to identify later round talent at the cornerback position and so adding some position some picks there might give them the opportunity to do that yet again indeed and moving ahead to the buffalo bills and as great as those uh, four afc west teams look the bills will be likely headed into 2022 as a strong super bowl favorite out of the afc and the acquisition of von miller in free agency could indeed turn out to be the final piece of that puzzle there are still some areas of concern on this otherwise strong roster. Buffalo could use another boundary corner to line up opposite Tredavious White, and they can use a legitimate lead dog at running back. And I am far 
far from the biggest fan of selecting a running back in the first round, but say if no corner that's available meets the value of the uh, 25th overall pick, would Brees Hall be a good pick for the Bills there? I mean, you know, this is sort of similar to remember a couple of years ago where the Chiefs picked uh, CEH, Clyde Edwards, or Lair in the first round. And it's like, look, they don't have a ton of holes. It's a nice position uh, that they addressed. And it's a you know, sort of a value play where like, yeah, you know, you got the best running back in the draft because you don't really have any other needs to address. I'm with you traditionally. I think at this point in the NFL, given where the game is trending with the passing game being king, big and seeing where teams are looking at the running back position saying it's such a short shelf life. There's really no reason to spend that, you know, a fifth year option for a running back is not as worthwhile as a, at a different position where, you know, you're going to have that longer shelf life. I still think they probably go somewhere else, but at the same time, I think, look, you know, receiver makes sense to me. Corner certainly makes sense. But if there isn't a top flight corner available, like if, if you're talking in more of the, the slot guy range, you know, are you going to draft a slot receiver? If those are the only, like, if you're looking at Jahan Dotson and Sky Moore as the two best receivers left that are sort of in that first round range, then maybe running back isn't that crazy of an idea. He is Mark Schofield, ladies and gentlemen, of the USA Today Touchdown Wire. Follow him on Twitter at Mark Schofield, and you could go to usatodaytouchdownwire.com to check out some very helpful, in-depth draft content from him and Doug Farrar right before your team goes on the clock. And, Mark, we've now reached the best part of the program. We're going to allow you to play GM of all four of these AFC East teams, and we start with the Jets. We are on the clock at four. Uh, Evan Neal and Ike Aquanu and Trayvon Walker, Kayvon Thibodeau uh, are still here. Uh, let's see um, what, what picks have gone. Uh, oh, Sauce Garner's off the board. Wow, Sauce at three? Well, yeah, that kind of makes not... this easy then. That kind of makes this easy. If I, I think if Kayvon Thibodeau staring me in the face at four, it's hard to pass on that. Yeah, so we're going to go with uh, Kayvon Thibodeau at four. And uh, why Kayvon Thibodeau over Trayvon Walker? Uh, yes, uh, you can uh, be a little concerned about Trayvon Walker's uh, lack of production at Georgia, but the key rule for edge rushers, bet on traits. Trayvon Walker, not only does he have those traits in spades, he is as polished a run defender as there is. Yeah, Walker's a very solid player. And if people are going to see him come off the board in the top five, if people are going to make him you know, one of their favorite edges in this class, I certainly understand it. But the more and more I watch Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, I was re-watching him for a piece I wrote just last week. I'm very impressed with what he does as a pass rusher. I'm very impressed with the stuff that he can do right now and the parts to his game that he knows he needs to fill out because there were times when it seemed like he was a little bit slow to transition into a secondary pass rush move. He realizes that. He's talked about it. He told us about it at the combine. And so I think, look, Walker is a fantastic talent. I've seen Thibodeau do some very impressive things, and I think there's still some aspects to his game that he can improve upon. And so I'm a big fan of what he can do right now and what he can become at the next level. And we are back on the clock at 10 right now, and Garrett Wilson is still on the board. Drake London is still on the board, or Jamison Williams is still on the board. I could see the Jets going with either one of these three wide receivers if they're still left. Uh, yeah. Like a Garrett Wilson, a route-running technician, uh, he is the kind of wide receiver that usually thrives in a Mike LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan offense. But Drake London, he profiles very similarly to Cortland Sutton as in a big body wide receiver who moves surprisingly well at that size. Uh, he can uh, get open on those deep 
patterns. Uh, Zach Wilson would love Drake London as well. That uh, Jamison Williams, he also profiles very similarly to Tyree Kill, who the Jets made a very aggressive push to trade for. Either one of these guys makes sense here if they're all available. Yeah, I mean, all of these guys make sense. I mean, the pick for me is Drake London. I mean, this is a very good wide receiver group at the top, and all three of those guys are very good wide receivers. London's my one, Williams is my two. So those are the two names that I would consider the most. But I really like what Drake London can do on the boundary. I like what he can do potentially as sort of a big slot type guy. You know, I, I think he's given that label as sort of a contested catch receiver, but I think he separates a lot better, particularly against press aligned defenders and people are really giving him credit for. You watch games, for example, against he saw a lot of press against Arizona, saw a lot of press against Washington state. He can win with footwork and technique off the line. He can win with his power and frame. He's got that basketball background. So he's comfortable playing in sort of contested catch situations. Doesn't seem to struggle against contact. And I think he can be that sort of quarterback's best friend type receiver that Zach Wilson needs. Yes. And, uh, Zach Wilson and Drake London could be trying to emulate another quarterback named Wilson, throwing a lot of moon balls to Cortland Sutton, dare I say. <laughs> there we go. So uh, we are now at 35 overall. This is the Jets' original second-round pick. They have another one, uh, three picks later, coming from the Panthers in the um, Sam Darnold trade. Um, yeah, Nicobe Dean, Quay Walker, we already took an edge, and Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, you know, a quarterback. Oh, safety. Jaquan Brisker of Penn State. I think he would make a lot of sense here. Uh, let's see what other safeties are still on the board here because the Jets, uh, they lost Marcus May in fantasy. And yes, they did sign um, DJ Reed, who is a, a corner, but I don't think he completely addressed that hole in the defense. Oh, Jalen Petre is still available. I think he would be a very good pick for the New York Jets. So either one of those two safeties uh, makes sense. Uh, let's. What's uh, left at corner? Let's uh, take a look. Uh, Kyler Gordon from Washington, Tariq Woolen, Roger McCreary from Auburn. And it's a little too early for Cam Taylor Britt, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, mm, yeah, let's go with Brisker. I mean, safety is a, good, a very good position here to address, David. I think you're exactly right with that. I mean, I like Petrie. It feels like just a little bit too soon for him. I think Brisker is somebody that could slide into the first round, certainly has that ability to play single high. If you're talking about that sort of cover three or cover one stuff that Salah likes to do, I think that makes a lot of sense. So I think it'd be a good scheme fit too. Oh, definitely. And this is the part of the draft where safeties are expected to really fly off the board here. And uh, now uh, let's see, they don't need a linebacker, don't need a quarterback, don't need a wide receiver, don't need a running back. Uh, Tyler Smith, if they are uh, still upset with Makai Becton, as has been reported, Tyler Smith could be a great uh, project for them to mold. And uh, the value, I think, for a guy like him with freakish athleticism, yet needing maybe a, a year to own up on his fundamentals, I think this is a good spot for Tyler Smith. And your colleague, Doug Farrar, is pretty bullish on him. Yeah, and I am too. And I think that's a good pick for them because he gives them some versatility. You know, we're looking at TDN's board. They kind of have him as an interior offensive lineman, but he can sort of play tackle as well. He's got some athleticism to him. I think that makes a lot of sense because even if Beckton sort of pans out, sitting there at right tackle right now, you've got George Fant, who's obviously, look, he's got some experience to him. You know, he's a little bit older now on the older side, 29 right now. And so maybe you're looking at, you know, Fant might be there for a year or two, but you might be able to slot Smith in at right tackle at some point. So I like that. I like that value here at 38. 
So should we make Tyler Smith the pick here? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, Tyler Smith, the pick for the Jets at 38. And plus, he's that uh, big, beefy lineman that uh, Joe Douglas, who comes from the guys in Houston tree, usually prefers. Yeah, exactly. I think that's another great point. Yeah, and, uh, and he can play guard if he fails at tackle. And I think uh, Joe Douglas prefers that when he's drafting a tackle. Yeah. I mean, that positional versatility is a huge draw with him. Yeah. It has several other uh, GMs across the NFL, and we are approaching pick 69, the final pick in this three-round mock for the Jets. And uh, Chad Muma from Wyoming is still here. Uh, Dylan Parham, but uh, we pretty much uh, killed two birds with one stone with Tyler Smith, uh, Leo Chanel. Josh Pascal, you can never have enough edge rushers. And Josh Pascal would be an excellent value pick here. If he slides by the Broncos at 64 and he's there for you at 69, jump. Yeah, I mean, that is, I'm just curious though, what what corners are left? Let's see, uh, corners. We shall uh, get corners on the board here. Um, Cam Taylor-Britt and Elante Taylor are the two best corners on the board. And Marcus Jones, who could give you in the return game, but he has a shoulder issue that's uh, reportedly alarming some teams. Yeah, that's tough. Go back to – I'm looking at their linebacker group right now. Yeah, they got options here. Chad Muma, Leo Chanel, Darian Beavers, who was – if you've been listening, uh, I've been saying this time and time again, he was my favorite player at the Senior Bowl. He just stood out the most to me out of anybody there. Yeah, this, this one's tougher. I still want to address corner, but it just feels early for the guys that are left. I like Muma a lot. I, I think he's a tremendous player. I know that look, Pascal is staring me in the face, but having a gone edge already, I mean, it seems a little bit redundant there. I'm going to go with Muma. And Chad Muma from Wyoming, the pick for the Jets at 69 in this three-round mock. And that wraps up the Jets. And now on to the Dolphins, who used an FM pick strategy, and uh, they don't pick until 102 overall. And uh, like you said, they could be looking at interior offensive line at this juncture. They could be looking uh, at linebacker at this juncture, and it's going to take us a while for us to get on the clock. But a a common name that's been uh, linked to them, at least in terms of scheme fit, is Nebraska's Cam Juergens. But uh, Juergens is uh, expected to go somewhere in round two. But if you are looking at at, uh, centers and guards at 102, who do you think might be available? Yeah, I mean, Ed Ingram is another option from LSU. Darian Kennard as well uh, from Kentucky. Slayer um, from Georgia are some options. Cole Strange from Chattanooga is also getting some buzz in that sort of area of the draft. Jurgens is getting a lot of attention right now. There are some people that are saying that he might come off the board a lot sooner than people expect. Um, That would still sort of surprise me, but, you know, it's a possibility. Um, it's probably a little bit too early for Thayer Munford from um, or, or from Ohio State, excuse me, uh, who could probably play inside as well. But, you know, those are some options sort of in this 102 range of the draft along the interior offensive lineman that the Dolphins could be looking at. And now we are on the clock. Channing Tindall is the best player left on the board. He's a linebacker, which uh, the draft network believes is their number one area of need right now. James Cook. Yes, they did sign Chase Edmonds and uh, Raheem Mostert, but Ricky Mostert, can you really expect that guy to stay healthy? James Cook would make perfect sense here in uh, this Mike McDaniel offense. Yeah, I mean, he is a very good fit for what they want to do offensively from the running back position. I mean, no, Miles Gaskin's certain more of a third down back type of guy. Alec Lindstrom, 
that's an interesting name to sort of consider right there. Interior offensive line from Boston College might be a tad bit early. Shannon Tindall is fascinating to think about. Very athletic type of linebacker, um, you know, part of that Georgia defense. He's somebody that, you know, when I profiled him over at uh, USA Today, such on wire, basically just said like, you know, let him go attack the quarterback, get out of his way. If you're going to draft somebody to just sort of, you know, spy a quarterback on third and seven, like this might be the guy you, you would do that for because so many of his big plays, the huge sack in the national championship game, for example, came when he was spying an athletic quarterback. And if you're thinking about, you know, the quarterbacks you're going to see next year, you're going to see Josh Allen twice. You're going to see Zach Wilson twice. You know, the Dolphins in the AFC, you're going to see a lot of athletic quarterbacks. Would you draft a guy here in the third round that is going to spy the quarterback on third down the lawn? Maybe. So I'm giving it a lot of consideration um huh, it, this one's tough um let's make tyndall the pick i like the athleticism he offers channing tyndall the pick at 102 for the dolphins in this three-round mock their lone pick in the first three rounds of this year's nfl draft and now on to the new england patriots your new england patriots at 21 overall let's see who's still left on the board here jameson williams is still left uh yeah you did trade for Devonte parker but uh, he could be tremendous value here uh trevor penning if you want to address that tackle spot long term chris olave oh my god trent mcduffie tyler linderbaum oh. devin lloyd daxton hill Kenyon green oh my god too many options bill belichick in reality he would be happy to trade down a couple spots and let the board clear up a bit but uh as part of this exercise no trades yeah i mean this is a moment where like if the draft falls this way i'm dreading hearing that they've traded out of the first round entirely entirely david like this is a moment where i'm hoping like oh you know Dallas has come up from 24 because they, they really love somebody and you're only sliding back a few spots and the names we're staring at right now. A lot of these guys are still going to be there, but if I'm forced sitting here right now, you got to help Mac Jones. Like I, I think you've got to help Mac Jones. I love Trent McDuffie. I think he would be a fantastic pick. We talked about Lloyd. I think he would be a fantastic pick, but I'm looking at Jameson Williams staring me in the face. I'm looking at Chris Olave staring me in the face and I'm thinking, man, I've got to get one of these guys. Olave is such a great route runner. I think he can give you the full route tree out of the box on day one. I think he'd be a fantastic pick, but I think Williams and what he offers after the catch, what he offers yardage after the catch, the explosiveness with the football in his hands, the ability to turn a slant into a home run type of play. It's too hard to pass that up. And so Jamison Williams is the pick. Jamison Williams, the pick for the Patriots at 21 in this mock draft, but Chris Mortensen, in reality, said last night he has heard from several people that don't believe that James Williams makes it out of the top 10, and that could very well mean that the Jets have the hops for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd i be surprised if he's there at 21. I mean, thinking about teams that could draft receiver, Philly at 15, I'd be surprised if Williams is even still on the board there. I'd be surprised if we get past, you know, the Saints. If they're sticking and making two picks, I'd be surprised if he's there too, but it's hard to pass that up at 21. And we are on the clock again at 54 overall. Uh, both Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker III are still available, but you got Ramondre Stevenson. But uh, can one of those guys sway Belichick? Uh, I don't think he'd be afraid to add another back to the stable here. Probably not. I mean, B Belichick's done some crazy. You got a couple of running backs sort of staring us in the face there. But I, they got to come out of here with some corner help. Um, 
I know McCreary is going to scare some people away. You know, the 28 inch arms, you know, first percentile length. I think he plays longer than that measurable. Now, New England might view him as somebody that's too small. I don't. I'm a huge fan of his game. I see somebody that played at a pretty high level as a young kid in the SEC going up against guys like, for example, um, Jamar Chase. His first collegiate interception came on a play against Jamar Chase. So I'm going to pick Roger McCreary here. Roger McCreary, the pick for the Patriots at 54 overall in this uh, three-round mock. And I think this would be a strategy that actually makes sense. Uh, You address like a, a wide receiver or a linebacker, at 21 get your corner in round two or your corner at 21 and wait and wait for those interior offensive line guys a5 because some could still very well be available here and you obviously need another guard to a lineup opposite michael on one who um, i would anticipate getting uh, one of those two guard jobs and we are back on the clock here in terms of interior offensive linemen we got ed ingram from lsu cole strange of chattanooga is still here um cam jurgens is still here yeah, I mean, there are some really, really good options here. Is, um, you know, those names you just mentioned there. I, I, I like, in terms of what Belichick might do at this spot, Cole Strange makes a lot of sense. I mean, he, you look at sort of what he does, the way he blocks, like sort of that road grinder, road grade type of guard that the Patriots sort of need right now after that Shaq Mason trade. Like, do they have options on the offensive line? Yeah. Can they piece together a starting five with, what they've got right now. Yeah. I mean, you could look at James Ferenc as potentially slotted in there, you know, when new has probably got one of those guard spots, but you know, adding a guard or an interior offensive line option makes a ton of sense to me. And I think strange is a good fit schematically for what they do. Cole strange, the final pick for the Patriots in this three round mock draft. And now on to the two time defending AFC East champion, Buffalo bills. Two time is in the last two years and we are on the clock here tyler linderbaum george Karlaftis, devin lloyd kenyon green jahan dotson let's take a look at the corners first because i think that's their biggest uh, uh need on this roster get a corner opposite kair elam kyler gordon uh, a little too early for Tariq bowen and roger mccrary and cam taylor Britt. uh do you think kair elam or kyler gordon are worth the value here yeah i think elam is i, I i'm a I, he'll be the pick here I do like what he does. I, I think he's a solid corner. A lot, a lot of people sort of have him as in that sort of corner four or five range, which I more than understand. Like you said, they need somebody to give them that, that consistency across from Tredavious White. And look, it, it's a good selection here. He's a very good corner. We're looking at the TDN board. They've got him as the 30th player overall. Getting that at 25, a position of need, makes a lot of sense. It absolutely does. And we are uh, going to be on the clock again very soon at um, 57 overall. And one thing that I do not like about these mock draft machines is that they kind of get detached from reality at times, because let's see who's available here. Um, oh, no, we're just looking at corners now. Uh, let's take a look at all. Brees Hall is, is still here. I don't think Brees Hall is going to last this long, but Kenneth Walker III might last this long. Yeah. I mean, look, if the board falls this way, I think it's a Brees Hall pick, you know, so we'll make him the pick here. I don't think he's there at 57. I mean, he might be. I mean, this, this is this is the new NFL, right, David, where yeah, running course. backs are going to slide, running backs are going to fall a little bit. You know, I, I still think that we're going to see a running back picked in the second round. You know, 
probably sooner than 57. But if we don't, and Brees Hall is staring them in the face, I think Brees Hall is a very good pick for the Buffalo Bills. I mean, you're talking about a running back that can give them some of what they need, right? You're talking about a running back that, you know, can extremely productive, very much a fit for the zone stuff that they do. Obviously they do that zone stuff where you've got Josh Allen. He can sort of cater to his running back, his running ability as an athletic quarterback. He can give you some stuff in the passing game as well. I think that's a nice fit for what they do schematically and it addresses one of the few areas they kind of need. I absolutely agree that it does. And plus Brees Hall, what makes him such an ideal running back is that he's already drawing comparisons to Matt Forte and Matt Forte is a symbol of what the modern NFL running back is a guy who could play all three downs. He can grind between the tackles. He can run those wheel routes. He can uh, nail linebackers and blitz pickup. Brees Hall is the exact same type of guy and I think uh, Brandon Bean would be ecstatic to get him at 57 and he could very well fall to to 57 because in this draft you never know especially in a draft like this year where there's very little consensus around the league in terms of boards that's uh, compared to previous years and uh, the Bills were back on the clock at 89 they do need some more wide receiver depth the best wide receiver left on the board is South Alabama's Jalen Tolbert yeah what's that wide receiver group look look like on the whole uh yeah let's see Jalen Tolbert Wandale Robinson Kentucky Khalil Shakir Boise State Alec Pierce from Cincinnati I think he Alec Pierce could be good value here that's the pick yeah I love Alec Pierce I I mean 123 and we're here at 89 that's his ranking on TDN I think that's low um I'm a huge fan of his game um I got a chance to talk to him for the blog and the boys talking to draft podcast he talks about being a ball winner, has that volleyball background, tested extremely well at the combine, but he wants to be that ball winner type of receiver with a massive catch radius. Obviously, Josh Allen throws the ball extremely well, but you add that, what he offers downfield, you've got obviously Stephon Diggs working underneath. I think that's a fantastic addition to an already talented offense. He is Mark Schofield, honorary friend of the pod. Follow him on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Check out his work at the USA Today. Touchdown wear these next two weeks. It will help you get ready for this NFL draft. Mark, thank you so much once again for joining us. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back soon with the sixth stop on our 2022 Dash to the Draft Divisional Tour, the star-studded AFC West. Finally, so stay tuned. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and on Instagram at SportsCrunch with DCrom. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. Also, be sure to check out the new and improved SportsCrunch.com, where my fourth mock draft of the 2022 cycle will be posted on Monday after Easter. For Mark Schofield, this is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome, and whatever you're doing, please, please, please keep the brave people of Ukraine in your thoughts and prayers. Until next time, cats, kittens, stay cool, and Slava Ukraini. Glory to Ukraine.